Hello, and welcome to this week's podcast presented by Freedom Life Church. We hope you find today's message uplifting and encouraging as we dive into God's Word together. If you need any information about our church or this message, please go to wearefreedomlife.com. Now let's get right into it. Good morning. We've been in the Lord's Prayer series uh, these last several weeks, and and now we've come to a verse in chapter 6 with six words that I believe can revolutionize how you see God and how God can change your life. Now, without any context to just jumping in, I really encourage you to go back and read um, the entire chapter of chapter 6, but you, it's, on, it's very important to understand where the Lord's Prayer fits in context of the whole thing we've been talking about the last several weeks. It's kind of hard to jump into verse 11 and not know what we've been talking about. But the Lord's Prayer, as, he, as we look at this third part of this series, we've talked a little bit about how this, what we call the Lord's Prayer, was really the disciples' prayer, right? Uh, and, and some people may ask, how, how do you know that? How do you, why do you say that this is not the Lord's Prayer? It's been called the Lord. Man called it the Lord's Prayer, right? Like Jesus didn't say, this is my prayer, thou shalt pray it into thine days until you die. You know, he, he, what he did was the disciples asked him how to pray, and he said, pray like this. And he didn't even say pray this. He said, pray like this this. And so what Jesus was really doing was not just giving them a prayer to pray. I think it was a starter prayer. What he really was doing was creating a template to understand how to approach God the Father as opposed to just how to say a prayer and feel like I've done something for God. Right? So there's a lot of people that will pray, quote, the Lord's Prayer and feel like they've done everything that they can do. Let me just pray this prayer like this and do it and then I'm done, and then God will be happy with me. How many know that God is happy with you when you're obedient? So the Lord's Prayer itself is really a mapping to what the bigger things that God wants to do with you, and and that's what we're walking through. So if you didn't listen to part one or part two, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Go back and watch it. Maybe that's better for you. But the Lord's Prayer is a very powerful, powerful prayer, and and we also know that the real Lord's prayers is found in John 17, right? We talked about that as well. That's what Jesus really prayed. How do you know he didn't pray the one he gave the disciples? Because he didn't have any sin. And to say, forgive us our sins. I mean, that's not something Jesus would pray daily because he is sinless. How many believe that? In fact, I, I, I was very perplexed in understanding there was a book out there, and I saw it online. And somebody took a picture of it and said, this is what some of these people... There was a book out there that uh, I think it had something to do with the baptism of Jesus. And Jesus literally said, in this children's book, in this children's book, I'm going to get baptized to wash away my sins, said Jesus. I mean, no, that's disturbing. Listen, let me make this crystal clear. Number one, Jesus had no sin. and Secondly, if he did, we would still be dead in our sins because he's the only atonement. And last I checked, we're not doing blood sacrifices here at the altar. All right? 
Some of you are like, I don't know. This is my first week. I don't know what's going on here. Can I reassure you that Freedom Mike Church is not doing blood sacrifices on the altar? It would stain the rugs. No. No, Jesus was the final sacrifice. We don't need to do that anymore. And if he was not sinless, we're all in trouble and we're all dead in our sins. How many can believe that? If you don't believe that, see me after service or see Pastor Corey. He'll explain that to you. We need Jesus. And he knew that. And John 17, when he prayed, he prayed a, prayer, a different prayer. But for the sake of this series, we, we're understanding as the Lord's Prayer, the, the verse what we're going to concentrate is verse 11. Take a look at that. Matthew chapter 6. Come on, grab your Bibles. And the verse is real simple. Give us this day. Some translations may say today. And that's the six words. Give us today our daily bread. Or give us, as I memorized it, give us this day. Now, the ears of the people that were listening to Jesus on that day would have perked up at this point, not just because they love to eat as much as we do, but because as a culture, they had a great deal of history when it came to depending on God for their, quote, daily bread. This Jewish culture had a very deep understanding and a connection with daily bread. Now, when, when Jesus made this statement, I'm sure the Jewish people, the mature Jewish people who understood their history, were having a mental flashback back in the days when God delivered their ancestors from Egypt, way back when Charlton Heston, I mean, Moses, led them <laughs> out of the promised land, right? Sorry, I had too much movie time that time. As many of you might have read in Exodus, we understand one thing. God reminds his people often that he's the one that delivered them. Right? The one who brought you out of Egypt. The one who saved you. Why does God want to do that? Because he wants to tout himself. If he could, he wants to. Then he can do that. He's sovereign. But he also wants to remind us, I'm the God that provided for you. Remember, the God that provides you is asking you this. Remember, the God that made it possible for you to know what true life is, what true provision is. How I many know your bosses don't provide for you? God provides and uses your bosses and your, that, that wonderful payroll person. How I many you know, thank God for payroll people? Yeah. If you got paid this week, you better say amen quickly. They may be watching. God reminds his people that he protected them from tens of plagues and how God sent Moses to encourage Pharaoh to let my people go. And then also God led them out with a cloud by day and a fire by night. You remember that? Over and over, the Red Sea was parted so they could walk on dry ground. Remember that? And then how God delivered them from the enemies by drowning them with the very water that he protected them from. Over and over again, they saw all of that, and after experiencing all of God's provision, after experiencing all of God's protection, you would think that the people of Israel would understand, give us this day our daily bread. Over and over, God provided for them daily. Well, they didn't, because 
Just like you and me, they were very forgetful even when Moses was up on the mountain receiving what the tablet. Before iPad, there was another two tablets. You're like, yeah, Moses went up in the mountain. He got an iPad and a Samsung. That's what he did. He got two tablets. That's not the tablets we're talking about. But he got the greatest document at the time they had ever had, the Ten Commandments. And he, and he came down to find them worshiping a calf. Watch this. With the gold that God gave them through their former masters, they melted it and made a calf with the very gold God gave them. Listen, church, listen to me. We're living in a world that will melt God's blessings to provide for their own idolatry. The message here is don't burn your blessing. See, don't do it. She's saying don't do it. Don't burn your blessing. Why? Because God has provided for another time, for something else. And I wonder, I don't know if anybody ever thinks like that. I try to think outside of the box sometimes and, and put myself in the situation. Can you imagine? What was God wanting to do with that goal that now they couldn't do? Did you ever wonder that? So, so give us today our daily bread, something very strong for the people of Israel. In Exodus 16, 3, we find them actually complaining to Moses. If we only had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, there we sat around with pots of meat and ate food and crock pots and, and all the food that we wanted. And they, they, they brought us into the desert, not even with a dessert, you know. And, and so, you know, we're out here starving to death. Sometimes people would rather sit in their bondage than walk in victory. Sometimes people would rather sit in their bondage, feeding their flesh, than to walk in the victory that God has set before them. Don't ever be that. Don't ever be so willing to sit in your sin, in your bondage, in your strongholds, that you don't want to walk in victory. I believe that's one of the reasons why the church of Jesus Christ is not as powerful as it can be today. Because a lot of people have gotten comfortable with fire insurance. I'm doing enough just not to go to hell. Jesus didn't die for fire insurance. He died so you would be set free. So you could walk in victory. So when people see you, they go, I want what she has. I want what he has. I want to love my family like he does. I want to command the, the things of life the way he does. Come on, somebody. That doesn't mean you're perfect. That means you're obedient. That means you understand who God is. You understand what he's meant for you. And you understand your purpose. Come on, everybody, check your pulse. Come on, check your pulse right now. I see you if you're not checking it. I'm watching. Come on, everybody, check your pulse. If you got a pulse, everybody got a pulse? If you're not checking, I'm going to wait till you check. I'm watching you. Every second. Come on, lift up your head, check your pulse. Got a pulse? Got a pulse? If you got a pulse, somebody say it with me, I got a purpose. If you got a pulse, you got a purpose. God has something for you to walk in victory. Come on, somebody. Why? The Father has set up victory for your life. Through this prayer. And yet because of his mercy. 
He didn't shoot down all of those uh, people of Israel after coming down off that mountain. You know what he did? He said, I'm going to provide for you. Watch this. Verse 4, the following verse. I will rain down bread. Everybody say bread. Bread from heaven for you. The people are going to go out each day and gather enough for that day. Everybody say that day. Everybody say that day. And this way I will test them to see whether they will follow my instruction. Give us this day. Give us this day. And on the sixth day, they were to collect twice as much so that on the seventh day, they won't have to uh, collect anything because they weren't supposed to. If they didn't, if they tried to go out, they'd spoil. It'd go spoiled. The stuff that's on the ground will be spoiled. You had to collect it on the sixth day so that you can go on the seventh day. So watch this. Verse 13 and 14 says that in the morning, they just got up. As God promised, there was a layer of dew on the ground of the camp. Right? When the dew was gone, these thin flakes, they were like frost, appeared on the ground. Apparently, these frosted flakes Am I lying? It, it was frosted and flaky. So, these frosted flakes, or manna, as we called it, right? As it was called, a loose translation is it, it defined as, I haven't got a clue what this stuff is, so I'm going to call it something. That's the loose translation. But the stronger translation is, what is it? The word manna means, what is it? Now, some of you go, that's a strange meaning. I've had bread before, and it was all for a reason. How many of you ever had bread before, and you encountered like God first? You're like, wow, this is such good bread. Thank you, Jesus, for this bread. Right? You ever had some good bread, soft bread? Come on, somebody. Little oil, little butter, whatever that works for you. Right? Little cinnamon. Come on, somebody. Cinnamon's of God. I, th I think there's going to have cinnamon in heaven. There's going to be cinnamon in heaven. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Right, Nisa? I mean, look it up. Look, look. Cinnamon's going to be in heaven. Not the sin part, but the cinnamon. There'll be no sin in heaven, but cinnamon, yes. Don't go off track. Follow me now. If, if, if something from heaven comes and we don't even have an answer for it, listen, God is so good that he sent you something from heaven that earth doesn't even have a name for it. Think about it like that. God gave him something that earth doesn't even have a name for it. Listen, when God provides for his people, the world will not have an answer for it. They won't have a definition for it. You're so blessed. You're so encouraged. Listen, that doesn't mean that you don't go through trials. Oh, this is one of those preachings, those sermons that it's just you, you're living your best life now. No, some of you are not living your best life now. Your best life was never meant to be now. Your best life is meant for the afterlife. That's your best life. Does God want to bless you now? Yes, but this is not the best life. No matter what you do here, heaven will always be better. I'm glad I got an amen. I wasn't sure somebody might throw something at me. I said, I'm going to write this. Somebody might throw something at me. No, I want my best life now. I got I have my ducking ready just in case. I've been working out this week. But when God provides, when God provides, man and earth doesn't even have the answer for it. God, God has given you blessings that man cannot define. So understand, 
that every day when God sent them bread from heaven, from that day forward, he was providing. How long was that day forward? 40 years. Some of us think in our mind this was just for a short time. He provided their meals for 40 years. God continuously provided for his people. God sent them the daily bread for 40 straight years. Can I ask you a question? Instead of praying for what you want, have you ever thought about praying for God to change your desires? Have you ever thought about, I don't just want to pray what I want. I want God to change my desires. Because as long as you live in this sinful nature, you will have sinful desires. And you will pray carnal prayers. What's carnal prayers? Fleshly prayers. And that doesn't mean, that means I can't pray for what I want. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you seek the will of the Father and you say, God, show me what it is I need to pray for. In the meantime, I'll pray for this. And I'll pray for that. But Lord, if there's anything in me, listen, if there's anything in me that doesn't fall in line with your word, change my desires. If there's anything in me that doesn't reign true with your word, change my desires. You see, the Lord provides exactly what you need. But what if you pray differently? And you you know, what if you said, I don't just want you to provide what I need. I want my wants to change. That's a different prayer, isn't it? To say, Lord, change my wants too. Prayer is perhaps the most powerful weapon God has given man. And we need to utilize that. Daily bread. When he said daily bread, that wasn't just about a physical provision of food and not to worry about. But it, what he's really trying to say, it's every day has its own worries. I just want you to provide for me today. And I will trust you for tomorrow, tomorrow. And let me ask, let me do a poll in this room because I'm good with polls. Ready? I like to have people raise their hand and tell me just so that I know. How many of you have ever worried about something that was going to happen tomorrow? Okay, hold it up high. Some of you are like, you don't know me, do you, Pastor? I worry every day about every other day. Right? Now, let me ask, hands down. How many of you worried about something that was going to happen tomorrow but it never happened. Raise your hand across the room. Look, I'm going to give you comfort. Ready? Look around the room. Look around the room. All those people messed up just like you. We all messed up. We all said, this was going to happen. The world's going to, Y2K, they got, people still got, people still got canned goods from Y2K. Some yucky canned goods. They're like, let's go into the closet. Get more beets. That stuff never goes. It's like Twinkie. They just never go old. Like a can of beets from Y2K. Open this up, honey. I can't do another can of beets. Why? People worried and worried about what was going to happen. I love it. I was was up at Clark and Sherry's for Y2K. I remember that. And, and somebody thought it was real funny to turn the power off. Somebody thought that was ha, 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 ha. No, it's not funny. Every 
everybody was like, what's going to happen? And look, some of you were real chill about it. Like, no, nothing's going to happen. But that was me. I was real chill. Like, no, it's going to watch this blow over. But when the lights went out, I was like, ah! Y2K! That wasn't funny. Now, I'm not going to tell which strayer it was. Back to the biblical text. Let me get back to the Bible quick, Nisa. I don't know what's going on over here. Biblically defined, the word bread means to raise up, elevate, and lift up. Give us my elevation. Give us my lift. Give us your provision, your prov- the way that you provide. You lift me up. How many know that we need to pray God to lift us up every day, right? So let me give you a couple things because preachers give good points. So I want to be a good preacher this morning. I want to give you a couple points. And Jesus was speaking this message to people who connect, like I said, uh, with hunger. and They connect with the moment. And you have to understand that when you said, give us to stay our daily bread, that the people that would hire people were often hired on a daily basis. Did you understand that? Culturally, in the Jewish customs, they would hire people on daily, but they didn't say like, hey, for the next year, I'm going to have you. They oftentimes, in a lot of ways, they would hire people daily. Hey, come in this day and we, you know, we're going to do this grain. We're going to do this, whatever. And so they were hired daily. So they understood daily provision. And so the first thought I want to remind us through um, Matthew 6, 11, when it says, give us today our daily bread. The first thing is God provides for all his people, right? So let, let me say it like this. Um, give us today our. Now, let me explain this for a moment. You know, it'd be very easy for us to say, give me today my daily bread. Do you notice he never prayed that? He never told him to pray, give me today my daily bread. Did you catch that? He said, give us today our. Why? Because God doesn't just give to you. He gives through you. And he gives to his people. And he gives to his following. And God has blessed you to be a blessing. So God doesn't want you and Jesus doesn't want you just to worry about you, but to to be concerned of those around you because those people he loves too. And we should love them. That's why I love our t-shirts that say, love God, love people. That's our constant. Uh, obviously, our motto is love God, love people, change the world. But, but the give us this day, our, it's because God loves people and so should I. We don't like everybody sometimes. I get that. Have you ever ran across somebody like, I love you, but I just don't like you right now, okay? But God has called us to love in spite of that, right? How many times did God love you but not like you at the moment because you were disobedient. And, and so how could you say God? No, because you are, if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. You always will love your children, but there are times. Okay, back to the text. So give us today our daily bread. Did, he didn't just say give me today and only me and me and only me my daily bread. Amen. But the truth be told, 
if we are honest with ourselves, most of us didn't wake up this morning with the slightest doubt that we wouldn't be able to eat today. But some of us sometimes doubt that God will provide for you, right? And we often trust our flesh more than we trust our God. We need to move away from that. We have to trust God more, bless you, than we trust ourselves. And, and see, in fact, the major concern for the average American is what we will eat, not whether we will eat. The average American, right? Now, that doesn't mean there aren't people struggling. I get that. But I'm saying the average American is not whether you will eat, but what you will eat today. But that's not the way it is for hundreds of thousands of people in our nation and world. So what we need to pray is, God, give us today our daily bread. And it's not, again, it's not just a physical thing, but God has provided for us. Now, how can we be a blessing to somebody else? I'm so excited that this month we're, 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 we're starting back up here, this March here coming, that we're starting back up our box giveaway to help people within our fellowship here in our church and the community as well. Can I just let you know that if you yourself are struggling, don't feel any kind of way about coming in and getting a box of food for yourself and your family. It thrills my heart to be able to bless you. In fact, I get double blessed when I get to give a box of food for someone that I know. Hello? That doesn't mean I don't love giving it to the community. I love giving to the community. But with the people that I know that I can help them and know them, there's a connection there already. That's a blessing. How many, how many know that's a good thing? You're struggling, come in, get a box of food. That's what it's for. It's to provide. Not because I'm your provision or this church is your provision, but God is your provision and he has called us to give us this day our daily bread and we want to share that daily bread with you. Number two, God provides all current needs. He didn't say just give us today our daily bread. He said give us today our daily bread. Now, what does that mean? In this verse, Jesus is teaching the believers to adopt the reliance upon God on a daily basis. Believers walk by faith and not by sight. Hello? We walk by faith and not by sight. This habit can become a basis for strong faith. When you pray daily, God, give me today my daily bread and help me to give somebody else today their daily bread as well. So give us, give us today. The people of the people that Jesus was addressing on that day would, would have understood this in a deeper fashion than I think we understand it today. In this part of instruction and prayer, Jesus was urging us to talk to God every day about everything, every need, every burden. I love that old hymn that puts it this way. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. What a privilege it is to, to pray to God to provide. Amen. When we pray this all-encompassing prayer, we learn that as Psalm 37 verse 4 said this, depend on the Lord and trust him for he will take care of us. Some of you need to write that verse down. You need to memorize it right now. Psalm 37 verse 4. Write it down. Get it in your spirit. Understand it that for believers, each of us, we depend on the Lord. Raise your hand if you depend on the Lord and you trust him to take care of you and your family. 
memorize this because you know what? You'll need that when the enemy lies to you. When the enemy tells you God won't provide because you messed up this week. You sinned or you did this or that. You can bring up Psalm 37 verse 4. You can say, no, 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 enemy. You are a liar because I depend on the Lord and trust him for he will take care of us. That's a promise, somebody. Somebody give a shout of praise or something. Know that God is, he's providing. He's providing for you. So I like what Max Lucado wrote, or Lucado, depending on what part of the state you're from. Max Lucado writes this, God is not a mountain guru, only involved in the mystical and spiritual. The same hand that guides your soul gives food for your body. The one who clothes you in goodness is the same as the one who clothes you in cloth. In the school life, God is both the teacher and the cook. He provides fire for the heart and food for the stomach. Your eternal salvation and your evening meal come from the same hand. Isn't that good? I wish I wrote that. Because it reminds us, doesn't it? That God is the one that gives the food and the cloth. He's the one that provides for both our physical and spiritual needs. He provides for our body and our soul. He cares about both. Some people think that God only cares about your soul and can give a rip about your, your life physically on this earth. Well, your body, it, your body is, you know, it's dying, it's decaying, whatever. You know, and, and it, one day we'll have a glorified body. No, he cares about your body right now. He cares about what you what you put in it. He cares about the things that you uh, uh, experience on this planet while you're here. But he also cares about your soul. He cares about both. So that tells us that God provides all of our current needs today. Everybody say today. Today matters to God for you. It really does. And the third point is this. God is our continual source of provision. He's our continual source source of provision. Give us today our daily bread. It's only the recognition of God's authority and his will that God is uh, instructing us as his followers to make a petition for our individual need, our daily need, our daily need. So the order of operations Jesus was establishing from prayer is praise God, praise for, pray for power, Pray for kingdom and act it on earth. Then finally, we move on to what you need. Did you realize that the whole uh, Lord's Prayer starts off with acknowledging God, right? So we say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then it transfers. Give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. That's the first part of the prayer that changes from a God, in, let's say, an upward directional prayer and acknowledging God to a, a lateral prayer saying, give us today our daily bread. This is the beginning of when we got to understand that now after we've acknowledged first who he is, you with me? I now am turning to my needs here on this earth and my petition doesn't start without acknowledging him first some people go to pray and they'll be like okay god listen up 
I got a lot of things, so take your notepad. Okay, nobody really says that, right? But we imply that when we go to God and we just start listing out things we need. First of all, God deserves better than that. Would you agree? Second of all, your heart is not ready to give him requests that are softened to God's heart. When you open your prayer understanding who God is, your, 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 now your lateral prayers begin to change. Because what I would have said before I acknowledge he is God might have been a little different. And you know this because you pray both ways. Most people who have been a believer more than three weeks, you've prayed both ways, right? You prayed coming in, you come in, coming in hot, right? You're coming in hot. Like you're going into your prayer closet, Lord, I got to talk to you. I hope you're ready for this because I am quite mad. I'm angry. Heaven don't have Karens. They were just saying, heaven don't have people that just blow up on everybody. You need to go to the Father and acknowledge who he is first. Soften your heart. Understand that the God you're praying to deserves that. And then you say, give us today our daily bread. We need daily prayer because we have short memories. Some of you said amen really fast on that one. I understand. I feel your pain. But in spite of that, we understand we have a short memory, right? The psalmist had an answer for that. He's, the psalmist said, forget not all his benefits. Forget not all what God has done and can do. If you ever had a job with benefits, how many appreciate the, the benefits of the job? Some of you are like, thank you, Jesus. Right? It comes with your job. For those of you that don't have it, you're like, no, I just wish my job did. But you can appreciate the benefits when you have it, right? How much more should we worship then? If God has been good to you, forget not all his benefits. We worship God because he's provided all those benefits. The benefits of being called sons and daughters of God. To be forgiven of all of our sin, all of our wrong. All the time you've ever messed up, God forgave that. He washed it clean. You're talking about seven years in forgiving debt. Hello? Can you imagine every single day that God is washing away your, all your spiritual debt that you could never pay? That you could never pay. God is washing those. That's how you should worship. That's how you should exclaim your praise to God. Not like someone that still has spiritual debt, but someone that has been forgiven, redeemed, and set free. Don't sit in your bondage, walk in your victory. Don't sit in your bondage, walk in your victory. Hear me. I want to tell you something. The problem with the world today is that we don't understand how good we have it and we don't understand that we are oftentimes uncomfortable with understanding that everything that God has provided and everything that we understand to be content with God's goodness. How many know that His presence alone will change your life? 
So here's what I want. I want us to do. To worship team, come on up here real quick and just get ready. But hear me. I want to share one story with you guys for just a moment here. I decided we're gonna, we are going to do that song here. But, but let me share with you the last story I want to close this message out with. And we're going we're gonna to spend some time with the Lord for just a moment. But hear me. Listen closely. There's something called the Diderot effect. The Diderot effect. And it's the theory of obtaining something new that leads to a spiral of consumption. So if you look up here on, this, on the screen that we have up and running this week now. It's named after the French philosopher Denis Diderot, who helped author the, what we know as the Encyclopedia. So Denis Diderot was one of the people that put together the Encyclopedia. Now, what I found interesting was he was a very poor individual, but very learned. He was a very intelligent man and was a part of a team that put together the Encyclopedia. He was very, very poor. This is a portrait of, of that that was um, painted of him in 1767. And when Catherine the Great learned of his misfortune, she bought his library for what we know as today about $150,000. What we, we would consider today, and that amount in that day, what we would consider today to be, in today's cash, $150,000. She bought the entire site she said he, he's poor I want to help him and I want that resource and so she gave him a hundred and fifty thousand here's a man that had nothing he was poor he had a hundred and fifty thousand dollars with this money he bought himself a nice robe and that's depicted in this picture here this robe however didn't match anything he had so he soon felt the urge to buy some new things so he bought the robe then he replaced an old rug. He had a new one shipped in from Damascus. He then decorated his home with beautiful sculptures and bettered his kitchen and bought a new mirror to replace the old one mantle and then a new leather chair. And, and history set, tells us that that continued on and on and on until he got bankrupt. These reactive purchases we now know is called the Diderot effect. Here's a man who had nothing. Zero. Destitute. It's kind of like if your kid wants an American girl doll. And you find yourself purchasing all the accessories that go with that. Hello? Or, or maybe you buy a new couch and suddenly you're questioning the layout of your entire living room. And now you need to replace everything in your living room. Come on, am I making it more real? Some of you are like, I never bought a robe. All right, well, I'm going right into your living room now, literally. The Diderot effect says, I bought one thing, now I got to change everything because of that. That's a very real thing. Some of you are like, why are you bringing up the past, Pastor Tony? God won't bring up the past. Why would you? Because it's a real thing. Why? Because... Some of us are spiritually not content. We often look at our lives and we think the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And God is saying, I've given you peace, love, joy. Why don't you look at what you have in front of you and appreciate what's in front of you instead of worrying about all the other things 
that would match this or match that. I'm not talking about buying stuff. This is not a financial consultant class or anything. I'm talking about how sometimes we cannot be appreciative of the firm foundation we have in Jesus. He is the rock on which we stand. All of the ground, come on, say it with me, is sinking sand. We trust him today, amen. The cause of spiral consumption, what happens is this thing leads to that thing, leads to that thing. How many times did we ignore and miss what God had because we're worried about the next thing? Father, I'm asking you today, would you be our firm foundation? Would you be the rock on which we stand? Would you be our Savior and our God? As we trust you, God, do as you see fit. Lord, let your word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So today, God, we worship you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said,